years of rings. No, no he right. comes back in season two. The bad. Oh no, Miyagi. Miyagi. I thought you were talking about the bad the guy. No, 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 no. The, is it is it live? Yeah, yeah he's dead. Yeah. Because that's gonna be freaky. I don't wanna see him. Are we good? We're kicking. Yeah. Guys, welcome to a grainy hotbox show. Uh, tonight you're joined by myself, Buzz, Shaw. Yes, it's so many names to remember now. Joe, Ash, Dan, and as always, we're going to be speaking Lang Dan, okay? It's like you only Dank. see us on your show, right? Pretty much. What's <laughs> <laughs> your name? You haven't been here for three months. <laughs> yes, indeed. I blame it on the weed, short mm. and long term yeah. memory. So guys, thank you for joining us. Yep. Uh, before we oh, get yeah. into the news and things like that, guys, we're going to be cutting live. We're going to try and do something clever and techy. And about 50 minutes into the show, we're going to go to, what's that thing called, Nilio? Beyond Psychedelics. Beyond Psychedelics in Prague. 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 Oh, and we're doing a, a talk there. So yes. we're going to see if we get it to work and it'll go live to her and we'll hang out and chat with you wherever we can. Strawberry and Fields Forever. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Fields of Green Forever. Yeah, it's it's a a forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> so uh, before we before we get into the news, we got some toys to play with this week. Oh, sweet! I think let's start. Let's start with the the most gimmicky thing. Stoner mm-hmm. Lego. Yeah, uh, we got generously donated. We saw these on Facebook. They trended a while ago. <clears throat> it's like the silicone ring that you put on your finger. Apparently, it's not a sex toy. Yes, it's, a, it's the most disappointing sex ever. It's like, oh, for micro penises. <laughs> and you're supposed to slip your joint in and be able to jam your jams while keeping the joint handy. I, I don't see an ashtray attached, but I don't know. I think we need to put this thing to the test if it's a gimmick or not. So I think yeah. someone needs to roll a joint. And between okay. Dan and you, okay, I think we put smoke the, the whole test. joint with the controller in your hands <laughs> to see if it's re- like, come see on, if it's legit, yeah. see if it works. Okay, yeah. let's have a look at this thing. Hey, well, and it goes with all consoles, with Xbox and PlayStation. It works through all consoles. Universal. You know what? The joint you can even use it while you're driving. No, no, I think you actually need to roll a fresh joint. Yeah, Come on. Now you see both hands on the steering wheel while you're driving <laughs> and you're smoking. Right? There we go. You know what you need? One on it's each like finger, motherfucker. It's with CBD hair. Isn't it dangerous to smoke weed and drive? No. I don't know. I'm conflicted there. I know it's nice, but I don't know if it's dangerous or not. I know there's reports that have said no. Yeah, I don't know. I battle to see how it could be dangerous because I... Personally, I tend to not drive over the speed limit because I am paranoid because around the corner could potentially be a whole bunch of cops waiting to just like, so I, I drive nicely. 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 Because there's that saying, I, I thought about it a couple of days ago, how does it go, why drink and drive where you can smoke and fly? Yeah. Or smoke and Uber. Well, Precisely. Smoke an Uber. Uber. Well, if you can, if you can smoke in the Uber, that's even better. But yeah. you only find those here and there. Maybe yeah. one day do you make you, they make you sit on the back of the bucky with your bong. <laughs> no, you just got to find the right green Uber. That's fine. Yeah. Find the green, find the Uber that comes in a green car. Then it's a green friendly Uber. That's what I'm saying, Duber, dude. You know how much money you make? <laughs> if you were a green friendly Uber that was particularly known, like you could put your advert out there and say, I'm green friendly, live. 
You know how much business you'll get. Straight. Straight. In the cup and remember, it's your Straight. choice. Straight. You can say if they can smoke in the car if you don't mind them smoking in the car. Exactly. If you just say to them, well, look, yeah, this are, is the disclaimer. There are, there's a problem in the States because there are places where you can't smoke anywhere, but weed's legal. You can use dispensaries and everything, but you can't smoke it in your hotel. You can't smoke it in public. There's nowhere to smoke. Mm. So mm. They, they've even got these party buses in some states where you go onto this bus and you can at least smoke on the bus. The bus yeah, is yeah, like yeah. a traveling... Yeah, but let's be, let's be... I mean, with the Uber locally, you'll be like very discreet. You'll be like, I'm a green... green, green We're getting green. way behind on our smoking because it ain't hot in here at the moment, folks. So I think our next gadget of the week... We got, I don't know what's the correct term for this. Dan, I, I refer to this as a honey bucket. Yeah, it's a honey bucket. And it's basically, it's a tie jobby that's fitted on either like a quartz or glass dome. So I think one of you Oaks are going to have to put this to a test drive. Back in the day when I used to dab, I hit this thing. And I thought it was like too high flow. You really had to commit. Yeah. Otherwise <laughs> the dab run away, ran away. But so I what think did you it, say you used to dab? Did you stop dabbing? Yeah, I did. Back in Nam. You guys back, back, back in Nam. <laughs> War veteran over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, he's got the beard and everything. He came out of war and he's like, no, no more. Watch out, watch out. <laughs> you got to do that PTSD. <laughs> so you guys going to hit this quick and see if it's legit or not. Yeah, like, it, Dan, does, it does look like... you rate it, I'm not so sure. It eh? does look like you got to really hit like that thing hard before you get anything. I think Dan will show you how quick. So you hit it up like that, so you don't hit the glass. And then you take the lighter and you push it that way. And you push it there, though. You don't touch it You hit the base of this thing. I think you guys are just like going to have to do one quick mm. and see for just yourselves. Like straight there. Yeah. Yep. Gas it, That's dude. It. Load up your dab first. Load up your dab first. Which yeah, one man. So that much dab. It will. Swing a roll then. There. Make it nice and red on the bottom and then you've got time to pick your dab and swing it in and then you can... Enjoy the groove, the wonderful effects of cannabis sativa. And touch it there, dude, not near the bucket, right? So you don't touch it on that bit that you heat it up? Yeah, you must hold it where you heat it up, and then you push it down with your thumb, and it makes it nice. And <laughs> then you're stoned and your yeah. fingers hurt. And then you touch yeah, you your lose your, you lose your fingerprints and you become anonymous. Oh, okay. It's the whole game. It's the modern so smile. when stop doing this? Now. Whenever you're ready. When it's ready. <laughs> now you turn it here. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> oh yeah. Hot damn. That's yeah, shown. It looks like oh. it worked. It worked. Yeah. 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 Tried. Nice. Good work. I'll try that now. To cough. Wanna... No, okay. that's good. I cough. It's my. It's my gig. I cough. <laughs> it's the <dance> punchline. <laughs> so guys, why are we trying this all out? And um, it was big news this week. Canada apparently legalized recreational weed. So, well, it's, it's like, still, yeah. Yeah. So, what happened is there was a bill that went to the Senate and it yeah. got passed unanimously ish. Mm -hmm. And they're saying they've got eight, two to three months to now pass. They have what? to find like the regulations in place. They literally just have to make the paperwork. packaging. So yeah, exactly, yes. So it can say this is weed exactly. in the shop on the They've shop. said yes. They just have to finalize yeah. all the fine, fine prints. Like and then where you're allowed to pieces. smoke it. What can you walk no, down what the street packaging and it comes smoke in, it? And or what? What's the, yeah. What the... What about, what about like yeah, you can have 30 grams on you in public. Oh wait, You can actually. have four plants at home. Is that all legit? The legal age is 23, which a lot of, I think is 23. 23. A lot of people don't agree with that because I got it, yeah. the drinking age I is got 18. It, yeah, too, dude. Which one? Let's see it. Oh, what, first the fail. Soil? 
Oh no, this story. I got the the legalized the actual um, the magafta didn't work. The legalities. No. This thing sucks. Thin. <laughs> no, okay. Ah. It, that's not thin. Like that's a pinner. It's a decent joint. I mean, it's that's not, not adjustable. Thin. But this thing Grip. here is for someone rolling something super fat. I mean, like <laughs> that. Who, who's gonna joint. who's gonna it's smoke that? It's for it's a fake joint. So I've got the regular the, well, the, the <laughs> Canadian. Hang on, hang on, Oaks. We can't hear anything. You're having too much fun. Dan, what you trying to say? I've got here the Canadian um, laws that they've put okay. in place for the fences and whatnot. And here they're saying it's Cannabis Act offense. offense. So offense, public possession of equivalent of more than 30 grams of dried cannabis. The penalty is uh, indicatable offense up to five years imprisonment or yeah, summary... Way too harsh. The, the summary conviction offense up to six months imprisonment plus fine up to $5,000 or a ticket for $200 <coughs> plus victim surcharge if greater than 50 grams and greater than seven plants involved mm. so, so they, they want you to only smoke government weed mm. okay i don't know about that but unless you like smoke your four plants at home unauthorized promotion mm. false promotion prohibited publication prohibited inducements packaging labeling display sale of cannabis accessory young person they've got all so the it doesn't leave here. much space for craft cannabis you can't have like 20 plants and maybe sell to five of your friends i don't think doesn't so distribution like of like budding flowers cannabis unauthorized yeah distribution of budding flowering cannabis plants unauthorized import export <coughs> possession for purposes of unauthorized import export unauthorized extraction and with use of organic solvent unauthorized cultivation from medicinal cannabis that's in indicable <laughs> offense up to 14 years imprisonment. Wow. Summary wow. Convinc convicted offense up to six months imprisonment plus fine up to $5,000. I think very soon those punishments will that's just maybe become less harsh because they way. I think that's harsh. what they're going to look over. That that's the, There's going to be huge outcries about that. Mm. I mean that, yeah, they've been fighting with that for the last time yeah. long, you know. <clears throat> At least they've got the foot in the door, but those punishments are hectic. Mm. Yeah, it is a bit intense, Unreal. but you know, how, how legal is it really then? But you know, it still yeah. feels kind of like a win. Mm. It's more than it was before, I don't know. But it does seem like so severely regulated. And how are you going to enforce yeah. so many rules? Mm. It means yeah. the black market as it is will probably just stay. Or flourish, yeah. They're just promoting black market. Yeah. So, exciting. what happened? Are we going to light that? Is that okay, yeah, so, so what we did here, okay, so... The grip is way too large. You can probably get your joint in halfway already. So it's made for banana so, boat. Yeah, exactly. It's made for oak smoking, huge fat but I think you're going to have to light it up because what's going to happen is we're going to be cutting over soon to Prague. So I think, yeah, get it lit. But now the deal is you have to smoke it while holding we'll the controller. Right. Okay. For at least the length of a video game. So <laughs> Super Mario Kart, here we go. Until it's finished. Okay, well, yeah, let's check it out. And adjust it to how you feel. Yeah. And if you need to smoke while you're playing, you've got to make a plan. Pokemon oh. Go, here we go. Dan, you got any comments there, dude? Anyone we should say hi to? I'll tell you now. Let's see what we got here. Hi all. Bradley Marez, how's it going? Martin Latham. Alusha Bardenhorst. Warren, what's up? Thank you for watching every week, hey, Warren. 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 Yeah, dedicated. Yeah. We yeah. see you every week, man. And we see a couple of them. Bradley is always there. But yeah. Just everyone saying, how's it? Hi, how's it? Hi, 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 hi. We're just waiting to go live with um, <coughs> the DC over in Prague. Yeah, man. Prague. Prague, oh, yeah. For the yeah. Thing, yeah. Hey? The psychedelic thing, yeah. Prague. Jeez, my, my, my parents, well, my stepdad and mother got married in Prague, actually, in one of those massive cathedrals. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't there, but I just saw photos. No, was they weed there, dude? Was they no, weed? I highly doubt it. Is it, Fucking right? hell, no ways. <laughs> 
Because we live in a republic. I don't even no. know this. No. Maybe it is because it's the Czech Republic. Yeah. I think is a problem. Anyway, we're getting into geography lessons. <laughs> I think we asked the Dacha couple. They'll be with us shortly. We will. I don't think it's going to be that sort of situation where we'll be able to interact. Oh, so we're just going to watch. No, it's okay. not. So, so it's what's going to happen? the Czech Republic, it's not. Not legal. Well, yeah. Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be right here, guys. You know what we're going to do? Dan's going to be our lesson. What's the Czech's name from Google and from Android? Alexi. No, man. Um, Siri. 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 Alexa. Siri. Alexa. Yeah. Yeah. Siri, Alexa. And who's the other one? Windows. Dan. <laughs> Dan. Dan's the weed Alexa. Jasper. We're going to call him Dank. 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 There we go. Dank. Dank. You better change your surname to so it starts with a K, so you'll be Dan K. Dan K. Dan K. That's just a really cut play on Daddy K. Yeah. Is it, was it Daddy K, the original Dank? Yeah. <laughs> but I think what's going to happen, so guys, for you at home, it really, it's going to go to Myrtle for quite a bit, for like half an hour or so. And we are going to cut back and talk blank tank afterwards <coughs> as well. We might even extend it a bit if the chatter goes well. But what we are going to do is we're going to try and chat with you in the comments. So chat with us. We're going to chat blank bank. Ask us. Treat it like an AMA as well. Like if you're not feeling the vibe in Prague, ask us things. But I think Myrtle and Jules have really put... The vibe in Prague is psychedelic. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Because it sounds like it's also full of interesting people. Because it's also this thing. They're going to speak about weed. But what from I understand about this contract is about everything. Yeah. Hey? Mm. It must be so exciting to be there. Yeah. Let's cut through earlier. Let's listen to it. Can we? Uh, we can actually. Yeah. Why, yeah, why not? Let's yeah, do it. Can, I mean, are you guys clean? Oh, we, can, we can listen yeah, to what they're saying. Yeah, dude, yeah. I'm tired of talking about Canada because it just runs yeah. shy now. <laughs> Bring it in. Yeah. So, is, is weed a hallucinogenic? Is cannabis an hallucinogenic? Of reference, European Mandero, he's done, you know, he's been working in years, not so I can claim that they have more than 30 years' experience. And now this person says the opposite. This person says, Look, it, it cost me more than a decade to train to do this. I had to do endless dietas in Peru, I had to travel to Peru, like all of these things cost money, you know, and it, and it cost a lot of money. I invested a lot of money in training, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I cannot do my work well if I have to be thinking about something else as well as my work. For me to be a good curandero, I need to be 100% committed to it, and I need to be full-time, and I did a lot of training, and I spent many years to get where I am, so I am charging for my, for my, uh, for my ceremonies, not just ceremonies, not just, not just to recoup costs, but actually to make some profit, and I have, and I have no, no issues because this is the only way that this is the only way that I can ensure that my work is top, top level, and it is that I am completely committed and I'm not doing anything else but this. So here you have, you know, a third, a third point of, of reference. And then here's another interesting one. Uh, also, also from Brazil. You know, the, 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 the Unión de Vegetal is the largest church in Brazil. 
they have more than 20,000 members. Uh, they're not so well known, especially in the psychedelic scene, because they're, 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 they're quite discreet and they're not psychedelic people at all. Uh, they're, actually, they're actually more like middle class uh, uh, professionals. So they're, they're very, very separate from this sort of like. But anyway, they have, because they're 20,000 members and it's one church, they have a pretty rigorous, like this is the, the hierarchical structure of how they're organized. I got them from their website. It's pretty complicated. It's a large group of, uh, of, 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 of anyway, administrative body which is managing a very large group of followers and of churches and a number of properties and a number of things, you know. So I was I was talking to one of the ministers and I asked them, okay, at, at which point as you're going up the, up, up, the, uh, up the hierarchy, you know, do you quit your job and you become a full-time, uh, you know, working for the church? I meant the people that were like sort of the, the spiritual religious leaders, you know, obviously there was a number of staff, secretaries, accountants, all of these people are full-time, but, but I meant the, the people that were actually, the, the people that were leading ceremonies, the people that you would call, you know, the bishops or popes, you know, at, at which point do they, on the scale, do they, do they, do they stop working and they just take a salary from the church and they become full-time church workers and he said never no, there, there is a rule about this you absolutely must keep your job always if you have a problem because you cannot properly do your job and do your church duties then you just you tell the people in the church and they will put somebody else in your place we have people but it is a rule that you cannot live off this right this will never be your profession this is the, your, and, and not only that, they have another rule that you know, in order to make it a sort of like mystery, you have to have a job and you have to be happy with it and you have to have a wife and you have to be happy with it. Because if you can't keep a job and you can't keep a relationship, what are you doing teaching other people anything, right? That's, that's the argument. You know, which, you know, again, you know, it's not, you know, it, it, it makes sense. It's a valid, you know, it's sort of, you know, I can, you know, I can see it. You know, it's not exactly, I can see it. It's, it's logical. You know, it's, it's, it's logical. logical, and you know, you know they're trying to they're trying to run a large organization. So I'm sure you know they, they made the large of mistakes before they got to this So so here we have another another point of reference. Here we have another attitude of this, which is like you know, which is the opposite of as you see of the European curadero. The European curadero says, no, to do this my job well, I need to be 100 percent devoted to this. And then in the other way, they say exactly in order to do the best well. You need to have a life, and your and your and your life needs to work. And then we can talk about what you do in the spiritual field and in the church. What you do, you know, what other commitments do you have beyond this, right? So. Because there's a great tension, and it's unresolved, that we have. Because we have a very clear, established way the market goes, works for goods. I want a pair of shoes, I want a car, I want a chair, I want the table, and here's some money. And then, you know, you give the money back, and we understand. Here's, this is the work I did for you, and this is the money that you're paying me, you know. You need the shoes, I made the shoes, now pay me for my work. Now, this is, this is transparent, this is completely being uh, accepted by us, we all know how it works. The problem is when we're not talking about goods, when it's no longer a market of goods, but it's a market of relationships. Then, then the money becomes weird for us and we don't know what to do. So, sex, love, money for sex, money for love, money for friendship, money for relationship, money for spirituality, money for healing. Like, then we point to a place where exactly this is 
this like is not shoes. exactly like this the shoes. Like and, and not only in this, this is not exactly like the shoes. And, and not only in this is not exactly like the shoes. Like we feel like you know, and this is like a deep. I don't know. I, I don't know if I don't know if it's a handout or not. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know. I I, 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 I don't know how I feel about the change of money for sex, for example. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's you know. It's 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 difficult, right? It's difficult, and right? it's big, and it's complex, and it's huge, and it's, and it's unresolved. Not just for ayahuasca, but I, like mm. I said, this is this is sort of like a societal problem. It's it's a cultural problem. It's an issue that we have as a culture, you know, with 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 certain extensions of the market logic. To you know, to call it to call it somehow, you know, I I always I always uh, you know when when people when people. Uh, that don't drink ayahuasca, ask me what it is, you know, I always compare it to a mirror, you know, I said like, well, you know, you have a mirror, and you know, you have your face, and you can, you know, you can sort of touch your face all you want, and you can get a sense of what your face is, but you cannot see your face without a sort of technological device that actually lets you see something that is completely yours, and yet you cannot see, right? There is a sort of equivalent for this, but but uh, but but for for our our, our insights, no. And, and in a way, ayahuasca does this. It's sort of a mirror for what's inside of us. You know? It lets us see things that we couldn't see without this technological help. And sometimes, you know, it's not so nice. Just like a real mirror, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror. Now I'm getting old. I'm growing hairs on my ears. You know, it's not exactly flattering. Some of the things that you that you find when you look in the mirror, you know, ayahuasca does this. You know, it also shows us, you know, the words and all, but not just of not not, not just of, of ourselves, but of our culture, you know. And I, I think I think I think this is also part of of what happens. You know, it's one of those reflections that, that ayahuasca gives this this whole issue with money, ceremony, these interchanges. This is one of those like words that ayahuasca like reflects back at back at us, you know, for us to see. So, you know, because uh, because in, in in the work that I'm that I'm trying to do, you know, we try to be pragmatic. So we try to be of service of the community. You know, we try to present solutions out of this research <laughs> that I've been doing. I'm going to I'm we going to, to uh, and, and and this is what we're looking. We're looking for models. We're looking for best practices. Best practices, not prescriptions. So we, we're not here to tell people what to do as an organization, but to give a service to the community. That is useful. See, this is it's a big result. I'm, I'm going to share just two ideas, which I consider to be very useful best practices around the use of money and ceremony. And I'm going to say that I learned these two. I learned both things from talking to people that run initiation rituals. People that run initiation rituals for young people. And we're actually really interesting group of people. I've been learning a lot from them lately. But they have they have uh, they have a lot of very similar problematic that you find in the ayahuasca world, except they're you know I would say ten or fifteen years ahead of us. So this is this is what they told me about how they deal exactly with the same issue of you know selling ceremony, which is you know to say that yes it's very complicated, uh, uh, it's very complex, it's it's cultural issue. So you know it's very hard to take a stand here or there. There's a lot of stands that are correct. I, don't, I wouldn't say any of the four examples that I've given you are more right than the others. They're all well justified and they're all well argued, you know? So, so with all of this range of possibility, what, what can you give as an advice? Well, the first one would be to strive for transparency. Because a lot of the problem around money and ceremony is basically what anthropologists would call 
gossip, right? So it's like people go to a ceremony and they say like, oh my God, that was like 400 euros for two days. There were 20 people here. He made 8,000 euros in one week. He's getting rich selling ayahuasca. Well, of course, the truth is, uh, you know, you have to pay for the place, you have to pay for the food, you have to pay the rental of the space, you have to pay like you start to take like all the expenses. It took a week to get all the people there and then the people helper and then the drivers and then the this and then that. when you start to remove all the actual expenses and the money that ends up in other people's hands, there's a lot less than eight thousand euros uh, left in there in the pot. And when you when you when you compound that with the fact that you're not doing it every day or even every week because it's difficult to get groups of people, whatever, then you, then, you, then you see how it begins to dilute much, much further, right? So this is, um, this is a, a, a magazine that I really like. It was published in the 70s, the Coevolution Quarterly. It's the guys that used to make the, the whole Earth catalog. Highly recommendable, it aged so well, but they, they did something that I always loved. This is the last page of every number. The Coevolution Quarterly had no ads. And on the last page of every number, they had their accounting for everybody to see everybody who bought the magazine they could see how much all the staff made how much all the contributors made how much they paid for rent utilities office supplies production supplies all the money pa, 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 this is how much it costs to make the magazine this is how many this is how much it costs to print it this is how much the promotion cost plan and these are the expenses and then subscribers and then like this is the bookstore kept this blah, 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 totally minus fourteen thousand dollars in debt that's how much money it costs to make that magazine, right? This magazine that you now have in your hands. Now, after seeing this, you're going to feel very different about subscribing to the magazine, right? This is, this is what I mean about transparency, right? When you become transparent, you know, about how the money goes, what is spent, what is worth, a lot of the conflict, a lot of the drama, a lot of the gossip, a lot of, the, it becomes instantly deactivated, you know, by this, by, by, by this, by this. In fact, you know, a lot of the polemic sort of evaporates, you know, and that's why I think this is a good, uh, this is a good best practice because we're not saying things should be here or there. We're saying there's a way underneath to sort of deactivate the polemic itself, you know. And then the other aspect is this: to strive for inclusivity. So the question is not how much the ayahuasca costs. The question is. What about the people that cannot afford to pay that money? That's really the question. Now, when, 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 you, when you, if you ask, um, if you ask people who work with ayahuasca, you know, should people pay for ayahuasca, should they pay for ayahuasca, this turns into like a giant debate like I've seen, like, you know, I've run a number of workshops when this topic comes up, it's very heated and it gets, you know, very, you know, very, but the thing is like, that's looking at it the wrong way. That's not the question. the question. The question is not how much it costs or how much it doesn't cost. The question is, how about the people that cannot afford it? Because that, that's, really, that's, really what it's, that's really what we're talking about. That's what money is. That's what it, that's what it separates. So this is, the, this is the type of thing that is likely to generate a lot more consensus. So instead of asking, should money be charged for ceremony, we ask, how can we make sure that everybody is included, even people that can cannot necessarily afford to do this. Now everybody is engaged in this discussion. Everybody is having ideas, and because really everybody wants to share it, right? Another thing is how they can make it. Clear, okay? So, so that's 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 basically it. This is this is the, 
this is the type of work uh, that we're doing at ICERS that I'm doing in particular, right? I am looking for topics, I'm looking for issues, and I'm looking for ways to fit, to match, to make a better fit between the practices around ayahuasca uh, and the society that we live in. And this includes thinking very hard about these types of things before it sort of catches up with us. So like this, you know, this same process I'm, I'm, I've done for safety, for screening protocols, for, you know, a number of things. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much. Uh, this is my email. Jillian Stubbs and Mattel Clark to talk about the fight for the right to get high. Specifically, their struggle in South Africa about legalizing cannabis and being directives of South Africa's only cannabis legalization non profit company. Thank you very much. We operate as a team, so we'll just be bouncing the mic. Challenging a century-old law with the right energy and integrity requires that we are conscious of our highness. For those of you who have used entheogens and psychedelics over the last 40 years or so, it is quite possible that you've had a run-in with the law. Every day that we use cannabis and we continue our lifelong relationship with this plant, we risk our liberty. I was in charge with possession and dealing in drugs. We had three choices. We could admit our guilt, take the punishment, Seven to ten years in South Africa for the amount of cannabis that they found. We were charged with two kilograms of weed after they had weighed this huge jar of hemp seeds that we had in the kitchen and the glass jar and put it all together. So seven to ten years for two kilos in South Africa. We could have paid a bribe. South Africa's judicial system is absolutely in tatters. We could have paid maybe 2,500 euro each, and it would have all gone away in the short time, in the short term. But we decided to go with the third option, is to fight them and change the law. Sorry. Right now, in every country that is represented in this room now, there are punitive laws for the possession and use of cannabis. The laws that make it illegal for two 50-something-year-old people with no kids Whoa, this thing's weird. There you go. <laughs> Two people to sit on their couch in the privacy of their own home in their pajamas watching Netflix smoking weed. That's my right. We felt so angry at our experience with the police 
It was five hours of relentless bullying. We were in our pajamas in our freezing cold kitchen. It was August, which is the middle of winter in South Africa. Julian had a gun to his head. We were just, we were just angry, we were frightened, we were stressed out. So we decided to take on the government. We ended up writing a 30-page affidavit charging seven South African governments with enacting unlawful laws. We explained why we are not criminals and set out what we saw as our inalienable right to, amongst other things, be in our pajamas, sit on the couch, in a sanctuary of our own, watching movies, smoking homegrown weed. To our amazement, some months later, an old-school, well-respected High Court judge agreed with us. And he put all of our charges on hold, pending the outcome of our challenge to the government. That was in 2011. We had set our first precedent in South African law, a stay of prosecution for a cannabis offence. That's what it's called, stay the prosecution. To this day, we're still out on 1,000 rands bail each. That's about uh, 80 euros. So one day we're going to go back and get our 1,000 rand back. <laughs> Since then, we've been on a roller coaster ride. But really, it's been an incredible learning curve. Litigation, drug policy, social activism. And this was all because of this challenge to the Constitution of South Africa. There's no doubt in our minds that the combined 75 years of cannabis use between us, can you believe that, 75 years between us we've been using weed, and the myriad effects the plants had on our lives up to date, that spurred us on on our journey to fight the government. When news of our charges that we've been put on hold got into the South African media, we were enjoying uh, uh, careers in the South African television and film industry. And as we drove to work one day, about a year after we were arrested, we saw a poster on a lamppost. Couple fight for Dhaka. Dhaka is the colloquial word for cannabis in South Africa. We envisaged two people in their home fighting over a joint or a bong or something. And we went to work. But by mid-morning, we realized we were on the front page of a South African daily newspaper. And what the article said was, there were two people, two private, middle-aged people, fighting for the right to use cannabis in their own home. And it was us. So why would a comfortable private middle-aged career couple risk everything they had to sue their government for the right to use weed? Well, there were a few questions, and uh, there were a few answers to this question. But the most important answer is that we really like to get high. <laughs> Just like the es uh, estimated 181.8, I don't know how they came up with this number, but 181.8 million other, human, uh, other humans on this planet, we responded well to this feeling that we got from the cannabis plant. Another reason was this really bizarre nature of the laws. The way that the laws work, the technicalities of it, none of it really made sense. And here's an example. There was a point at the start of our journey where we were standing in a badly lit corridor of our local magistrate's court. 
This was a building that was constructed when apartheid was in full swing, as you can notice. The, um, the glories of brutalist apartheid architecture. After discussions between our legal team and the public prosecutor, the state decided to stop to drop the dealing charge. There was no evidence of dealing because you have to have cash and weed in the same place or they've got to catch you on camera or something like that. So they had no evidence of dealing, so they dropped it. But there's a clause in the South African government, in South African law, that says that if you are caught with one, more than 115 grams of cannabis, then you're a dealer. And remember, we were caught with two kilograms. This clause was really written there to instill fear, raising the stakes, making the bail more expensive, and basically making you uh, hire a more expensive lawyer. So none of this was really rational. They had no evidence of dealing, but according to the law we were dealing, so they just dropped the charge. Now the law is meant to be rational, and there was nothing rational about this. Well, so at that point with a simple possession charge, we could have walked away with a small fine, not the jail that we expected to get seven to ten years. All we had to do was admit our guilt and pay the money and then accept a criminal record which is anything up to ten years suspended in South Africa for a cannabis charge. No visas, no jobs, no anything with a suspended sentence for weed in South Africa. And that is a very good reason to fight. So at that point we looked each other in the eye and we knew we owed that moment to this plant. This plant, like all the other teacher plants that we've ever encountered in our lives, that made us what we are, put us on the journey that we're on and helped us co-create the lives we've built by basically locking all the latent creativity she and I have that spurred us on in the industry that we were working in. So from there to now has been a huge adjustment. So has been thrust into the limelight of South Africa's media. The same media that dubbed us the Dakar couple, for better or for worse, but at that point, our social activism campaign had begun. The Dakar couple. There are hundreds of thousands of South Africans who don't respond well to the word Dakar. Just listen to it, Dakar. Like its racially charged cousin marijuana, the ancient Khoisan word Dakar has been vilified in modern times with the sole aim of stigmatizing its users. Dacha doesn't even describe cannabis. Specifically, it describes a feeling. So actually, the critics are way off the mark with their dislike of this ancient, proudly South African word. We get messages from the public expressing their disgust at the use of the word Dacha to describe the healing herb of the nation. It's mostly people who weren't even around in the 70s and the 80s when apartheid was in full swing in South Africa. They have no idea why they hate the word so much. It's just undesirable. The negativity of the word is really ingrained in our society. We use it because it's emotive and it elicits all manner of reaction within a group from embarrassment to the usual nervous laughter that always goes around when people are talking about drugs. The marijuana couple or the cannabis couple just doesn't have the same ring to it. Undesirable. 
It's a word that describes all the parts of the plants, from the roots to the seeds, and it's entrenched in the 1992 law that we're challenging. The law that upholds the war on the South African cannabis user. We are those undesirable individuals who want to get high, or medicate, or both. Undesirable to who? And how did they figure it out? What, what word did they could they possibly use? Who thought of this? It's not based in science. It's a cut and paste from the 1950s. And it's embedded in the 1961 conventions that we're all fighting just by being here in this tent today. Apartheid left brutal scars in the psyche of our country. One being the propaganda machine that drove the criminalization of Dacha and other drugs. But especially Dacha. After an estimated 600 years of endemic use in Southern Africa, with a long heritage of peaceful coexistence as a medicine and a social intoxicant, with many, many dialectic names. The colonial masters of the past designed the prohibition monster and its propaganda to control their indigent labor force. In South Africa, the British colonials banned their Hindu slaves from using their holy sacrament, bang. And interestingly, in all the other 10 South African official languages, there is no direct translation of the word prohibition. It is these ingrained, insidious, seemingly irrelevant aspects of prohibition that fuel our fight. Language fuels the stigma and entrenches badly written laws and policies all around the world, not just in South Africa. When we started our social activism in 2011, not much had been done about the injustices inherent in over 100 years of cannabis prohibition. Apart from the leader of the fledgling Dacha Party of South Africa, Jeremy Acton, and Gareth Prince, a Rastafarian who challenged the South African government over his religious rights to use Dacha and practice it as a lawyer at the same time. This was in 2001, and he very narrowly lost in our constitutional court. There were only really a handful of us who were actively promoting the benefits of the plant, and actually more importantly to us, campaigning against the harms of prohibition. The last eight years have seen a massive increase in the awareness about the issues of and the support for legalization. Thanks to social media, we have learned so much and been able to help thousands of South Africans who are incarcerated, victimized, and terrorized by cannabis prohibition. That is to say nothing about denying our people their right to medicine. This law does not discriminate in South Africa. It's very important because it does discriminate in other parts in the, of the world. But in South Africa, the law that prohibits cannabis discriminates and ruins the lives of young and old, rich and poor, black and white, sick and healthy. It targets every single South African citizen who chooses to use this plant. So, aware that we were only ordinary criminals, we applied to register for a, a non-profit company to kind of get some sort of a legitimacy and an umbrella from which to run this campaign. 
So we went to the South African Law Society and they gave us permission to start South Africa's first cannabis non-profit company. And they told us to go to a specific law firm in this shiny building in the city to set up what we called Fields of Green for All. So during the process of registering that non-profit company for an illegal plant, we were called into the office of this big shiny building and all the lawyers came down from the fifth floor to the third floor and said, we're so interested in what you've done and how you got so far, we are going to take your case to the highest court in the land and we're going to charge you very little for doing it. That was a big day out. Because at that point, we just had no idea how we were going to achieve the mission. So it was 2012 at that point, and we've been with these guys for seven years now, and we would never have done it without them. Those books there are actually our trial evidence. That's just the expert witnesses from our side. And there's no way we could have collated that amount of information in the time given. And anyway, look how young they are. It's like the future arrived, and these guys are from the 21st century, and they are on the top of their games. During the long months of waiting between court dates, we, we became convinced that we wouldn't even need to appear on the stand and be subje subjected to a no-doubt grueling cross-examination by the state. What could we, Julian and Myrtle, possibly add to the evidence? We became more and more cognizant of the fact that when it came to evidence in our planned trial, we couldn't actually technically give any because we weren't experts in anything pertinent to the court. We were just plain old Jules and Myrtle, the stoners. <laughs> we were confronted with all sorts of issues around constitutional law, sociology, criminology, health, law enforcement. We didn't really feel qualified. But it felt wrong to ignore the evidence of the two people with a combined 75, <clears throat> 75 years of cannabis use. Surely we could offer something to the court. But at that level of law and arguing it according to all of these technicalities, our life experience was only considered anecdotal. It wasn't considered relevant at all. The only thing that we were experts in was ourselves, our bodies, our minds, and of course nobody knows that better than us. We don't have to elaborate on the notion of sovereignty to this audience. Everybody knows about that here. Of course we should have the right to alter the way that we feel, and more importantly, the way that we think. And under the influence of cannabis or any other social intoxicant, or a relaxant, or an entheogen, it was just the articulating of those rights that was the stumbling block. So we put this challenge together, and the challenge is based on three very important things. It's based on mine and her human right to sit on the couch and smoke weed in the privacy of our, our home. Same with you. It's a sovereignty issue. My body, my choice. Back off. And importantly, it's a cognitive liberty issue. Now, I remember in 2016 watching somebody called William Montgomery at this exact festival, and he stood on a stage and he started ventilating about cognitive liberty, and he used the analogy of our governments having locked us out of our own minds. 
And at that point, I knew exactly how I was going to produce some evidence for the High Court in Pretoria. That's exactly the argument that I was going to use. And during the same presentation, he mentioned the name Charlotte Walsh, who many of you may well know here. So her experience around articulating sovereignty in the law was invaluable to us because she had all these research documents. So we downloaded the documents, we called her, and she sent us more. So all of a sudden, we had all the information we needed, and we sold the information to our legal team just months before the start of what we build the trial of the plant. Finally, we were acknowledged as experts, and we got on the list to give evidence in court. The definitive argument for the cannabis plant set off in the Pretoria High Court in August 2017, and it's one of the longest court proceedings in South African trial memory. In another precedent, we live-streamed the proceedings to the world so everybody could see both sides of the cannabis story and hopefully make their own minds up. But anyone in the NGO sector will tell you that fundraising is always the biggest challenge. Our desperate bid to raise money to do what we set out to do is such a good example of how this plant brings people together. The sheer cost of this challenge has got to be the reason nobody has tried it before from this angle anywhere in the world. A full trial in a high court with expert witnesses covering every single angle of the cannabis Dacha debate and the unique angle of human rights, sovereignty, cognitive liberty is really, really expensive. The added challenge was that we are on the southern tip of Africa and the esteemed minds we were after, our main star witnesses in particular, were all in Europe and North America. We were going to have to dig deep to, 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 to pull this off, especially seeing as our South African rand is worth virtually nothing. We decided to crowdfund our experts' expenses. Because none of these esteemed minds flew economy anymore, in 2015, we embarked on what was to become a really forgettable six weeks of our campaign. Never in our lives had we asked for money like this before, and it will rem be remembered as a very challenging time selling ourselves and our ideas to South Africa and the world. We look back at periods like this, and we wonder what we would have done without the ability to tap into the wisdom and experiences that are available to us through South Africa's psychedelic community. Little did we know that we would have to learn how to say the word neuropsychopharmacologist, <laughs> let alone actually try and fund an airfare for one. Um, so, so those were our challenges around fundraising, but it really brought people together. We raised 26,000 US dollars in 42 days. And one of the things that struck us at the end of the exercise was, out of all the donations, of just over 400 donations, none of them came from a stranger. Every single donation came from somebody we knew through our, our already existing network. So thankfully, we had this network, and thankfully, at the end of this 42 days, we had the money to fund our experts. In 2016, we hit a glitch. The trial got so big, and we had so many experts, and there were so many permutations, the court date we were given wasn't long enough. So we had to 
literally wait another year. As is often with the case, the glitch turned into a blessing. It simply gave us more time to polish the argument and time to put the courts on the back burner because we've been doing law for six years now. And then we could concentrate a bit on drug policy. And as we said, we got our day in court in August 2017. Our local and international experts would give evidence around what we termed the four platforms. Number one was responsible adult use. That's us. We never use the word recreational because it sounds flippant. Number two, industrial cannabis. Very, very important. The hemp side of things. Number three, the health uses of cannabis. Number four, traditional, cultural, and religious use. This is very important to remember because there are 350,000 registered traditional healers in South Africa. These traditional healers want cannabis back in their pharmacopoeia. They've been using it for hundreds if not thousands of years. And you try telling these Rastafarian elders that cannabis isn't an entheogen. We spent our first three court days arguing over the right to live stream the trial. Then next, the state and their co-plaintiffs, Christian fundamentalists, right-wingers, doctors for life, made every effort to grind the proceedings to a halt. Firstly, they tried to dismiss all of our evidence. That didn't work. So they magically produced voluminous amounts of last-minute evidence and lengthy questioning and endless cross-examination and every single delay tactic that they could find. A renter crowd even appeared outside the court and the t-shirts and lunches for this crowd were paid for by the South African Department of Social Development. <laughs> so it was a tough time. We spent 19 days in court. We still haven't made it to the bench, Julian and myself, to give our evidence. The trial was adjourned after these 19 days with most of the witnesses still waiting in the corridors waiting to testify. Professor David Nutt, who many of you may know and who is very, very much loved by us, he was our star witness and the aforementioned neuropsychopharmacologist. <laughs> he had just enough time to obliterate the state's evidence with his acclaimed research into the relative harms of drugs before we ran out of time. And then the unexpected happened. Just before we went into court in the north of South Africa in Pretoria, in Cape Town, the leader of the, the, leader of the Dhaka party, Jeremy, and the Rastafarian we showed you earlier, Gareth Prince, they went into the, Pretor into the Cape Town High Court on what we call application. So whereas we were going on trial and we were putting expert witnesses for cross-examination, they went on application, which means no cross-examination, no experts, but just piles and piles of information for the court to appraise. So, in March 2017, their presiding judge, the bench of three, deemed the use of cannabis in the privacy of your own home, the laws are unconstitutional. It is your right to use cannabis, to trade in it, to grow it, and use it in the privacy of your own home. That's what these guys got. This funny, what we call the privacy law. Well, the headlines went crazy. 
Because nobody really, this was completely out of the blue. Nobody expected this as, as a result, this funny privacy law. And as you can see, the good and the bad side came out of all of the newspapers. The state immediately appealed the ruling. They weren't happy with it at all. They want to go back to the court. But we saw that as nothing but good news to our challenge because it appeared that the walls of South African Dhaka prohibition were just actually crumbling. That appeal was heard in the highest court in South Africa, the Constitutional Court, in November 2017, on the day of my 58th birthday. And there is a bench of 10 judges in green. And this courtroom has been built from the very same bricks that the apartheid jails were made out of. They destroyed the jails, cleaned the bricks, and made this place for all to see. And it was by far one of the most... Um, precious days of our lives actually. So right now we wait for that court to make the decision of whether we need to go back to the Pretoria High Court to finish our evidence or whether they have enough evidence to actually legalize this already. Our NGO Fields of Green for All is now the backbone of our challenge and our legitimacy. No longer are we two middle-aged, middle middle class, corps, stoners, whatever you want to call us, and despite a thousand rand bail has still hanging over our heads, we now have security clearance at the United Nations, and we've taken our legal challenge all over the world in order that we can learn from the global drug policy debate and cannabis culture communities. Why were we going to such elaborate and costly lengths to prove our, our our point in a court of law for the last eight years. The fact that cannabis is illegal, isn't that a reason not to use it? Hmm. But why was it illegal in the first place? What is, is it about changing our consciousness with the plant that makes it so offensive for the lawmakers? Being invited to speak at Beyond Psychedelics here today has created another crossroads in our campaign. And preparing for today, we've had to relook at loads of these questions that feature in our daily lives. The history of apartheid in South Africa is really well known. And now, more than ever, we have a responsibility to make sure that cannabis legalization is not another version of prohibition, as we're seeing in Canada. Or that it results in a new form of drug apartheid. Oh, cannabis is okay, but what you choose to take is not okay. We don't need any more apartheid in this world. No matter how much we fight in the courts and with the policymakers, the issue of intoxication remains at the root of all stigma. The legal regulation of cannabis in South Africa is inevitable. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. But we will carry the burden of the stigma with us for the, as the new policies are drafted. You just want to get high, or getting high is self-indulgent, or getting high is dangerous. This will be the foremost in, foremost in the minds of those in power, and it's something that we really, really have to look out for. We're a major cannabis-producing country. The World Health Organization says we're the third biggest producer in the world, and Myrtle and I have been to valleys where we would agree. It goes as far as the eye can see in every direction. It's one of the most beautiful sights in the whole universe. The plant is entrenched in South African medicine and social culture, and the stigma, stigma that Myrtle talks about can only be addressed when everybody, the policymakers, realize that our use does not equal abuse. 
because that's what they actually think. Our defense is simple. Getting high happens in our own minds in a private way that only we can feel. And we believe uh, cannabis is a teacher plant and we can credit it for so much that's happened in our lives. Slowing us down when things get hectic, providing much needed focus in a mad world, and of course, keeping us healthy. That shift in consciousness, consciousness that we all love and appreciate is still almost impossible to measure, difficult to quantify, and altogether curious to describe. There's nothing in this plant that makes us do it. We, we do this to ourselves. You know, um, the gateway theory would have us believe that there's something lurking in the plant that hooks us in and makes us uncontrollable. But rather, we believe the particular effects of cannabis are primarily a function of a particular person using a particular strain in a particular way under particular conditions at a particular time. For us, Jules and Merkel, we know that our use of psychedelics is one of the things that attracted us to each other in the first place. We also know that relationship where one partner doesn't use psychedelics or drugs, or more importantly, disapproves of the other partner's use. The relationship seldom works. That understanding of the value and enjoyment of changing one's consciousness is a fundamental thing that brings people together. Look at this amazing gathering here today and for the next few days. Our first foray into international drug policy was in a 13th century castle in a freezing Netherlands in January. There we signed a document called the Heemskirk Declaration, reminding the United Nations about the rights of South African indigenous Dacha farmers and other world producers of prohibited plants. Remember, Dacha cannabis, it put food on the table. There are an estimated 900,000 small-scale rural Dacha farmers in South Africa. We followed this document, the Heemskirk Declaration, to the United Nations General Assembly's special session on drugs in 2016 in New York. It was surreal. All the people that we'd been following on Twitter were milling around the, the foyer of the United Nations. Um, it really felt like that we'd become part of something huge. After feeling so isolated and so far south at the bottom of a vast, underreported continent, we were now introducing ourselves at the highest level. It's very easy for the rest of the world to ignore Africa. We don't see too many delegate, delegates from Africa here today. And it kind of pains us in a way that Africa's just never mentioned. But we were making some progress. We butted in on the conversation at Harm Reduction International in Montreal, Canada, and represented Fields of Green for All at the UN in Vienna for CND61 in March this year. This month, we managed to make video representations to the World Health Organization in Geneva while they were busy reviewing cannabis. We've continued in this vein from butting in on Twitter threads to winging it, writing abstracts for a speaking slot at another drug policy conference or special interest group. We've trusted in the process and taken guidance from the altered states we found ourselves in from time to time. You could say that today we're coming out of the psychedelic closet. 
Always proud cannabis users in court. Sorry, always proud cannabis users. In court, we were accused of being polydruggists. That was the term that was used to try and ruin our reputations. As far as we're concerned, cannabis will be the gateway to more evidence-based drug policy in the future. And it also needs to be the gateway to open and honest discussions about why we like to get high. It's one thing knowing and wanting the law to change, but what do you want that law to look like? So together with a favourable court judgement, we hope and pray that every South African cannabis enthusiast is given a voice in future cannabis policy. As an antidote to the dryness of policy matters, we're huge fans of fundraising downtown parties, gatherings of thousands in the streets of Johannesburg to celebrate their relationship with the plant, blaze it up and stick it to the man for the day. So our plan going forward is fueled by the energy of all of these people from this DACA community, from our local volunteers that we see every day, to the activist enthusiasts the world over that we're meeting today in Prague. Nobody is free until everybody is free, but we are going to work through this together, and we are going to put our collective psychedelic heads together, and we're going to inspire each other along the way, because at the end of the day, we all like to get high some way or another. <laughs> My name is Julian Stobbs. My name is Myrtle Clark, and we're the Dacha Couple. This is our story so far, and thank you for listening. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, thank, thanks to all, all of the speakers. We've kind of run over time, so... If people do have questions, then do you put your hands up, otherwise the speakers are here to, to come and have a chat with. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We said all the most interesting things while you guys couldn't hear us. Yep. <laughs> all the best, but without all the funniest <laughs> jokes came up. Yeah, no. dude. We were the lemon it's in the true. lemon cream. No, 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 guys. <laughs> You've been listening to what you've been chatting about. So, giveaways. We're going to get our head around it. We just want to make sure we play by YouTube's TH and C's. But if you guys are up for one owner, one owner only stuff that we get that we can pass on to you i think we're going to start making a real effort with that next episode i promise i'll take yeah. care of that Ooh, but sure, while we while we were there something literally happened pretty much live mm. on facebook right now we haven't got any inserts for this like breaking news breaking dun, 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 dun. well it's just like someone that's put a story on it's like they've got good feedback oh wow um so basically i'll just give you the blurb no names will be mentioned uh there was a child that is autistic and they made an oil, a one-to-one -one oil from cold-pressed THCA and a CBD isolate mixed into MCT oil. They currently, the person, the thing is currently on one drop three times a day, bumping up the dose to see what happens. Then the reply basically is saying that um, this little girl had an episode yesterday morning early. She had an episode, gave her oil, and not long after she fell asleep, no streaming during the day. 
She was also calm and went to sleep that night earlier than other nights. She still hits and bumps her head in the wall, but not so much. So, so this happened right here in South Africa. Yes, this is a local they story. They cold press oil. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, they've, they made, made, they've made an oil one-to-one, whatever it is. The fact yeah. is that they've made an oil at, at home. At home, essentially. At home. Give and it to someone worked. and it worked. Mm. It's not like it had to be made in a lab or in yeah. a special environment for it to be... Um, effective. Effective. Because safe mm. is not a good word to say, because if it was not made safe practices, mm. it's not safe. Yeah, yeah. true. Because let's so, face it, it's like if you're making medicine in, with the weed context... I'm going to shoot this cat, yeah. <laughs> cat, I'm going to get the pillow and go down to the creek with you. <laughs> Will someone love him? I think he's looking for attention. He's that kiss. Capture him, Shaw. Pokemon. There we go. Sound out of sync. love. Good kitty. Yes. It's going to go viral when he strikes Shaw. I set him free. But like, it's hard. It's hard to make bad medicine. You really need to be really negligent mm. to fuck it up when it comes to yeah. making medicine from weed i think or no well no come easy? on there was no, a guy that was making yeah. benzene extraction with the with it. it wasn't quite extracted properly who mm. knows what he was doing who knows what a lot of these guys are doing so we like it comes back to it mm. the whole testing thing comes back to it again mm. you know it would help if the story came with a test with the oil they gave mm. to the kid it would really have helped can, yeah, yes but can. What's happening there? We're hearing noise, dog. Echo. Whoa, 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 whoa. But yeah, so I, I just think it's a good, I, I just think it's a good story. Mm. But It's a brilliant story and you're right, we do need to get more people aware that we need to be asking for... That's one that filtered through like to us. I'm sure this happens every Yes, day. that's the thing. It happens a lot. It happens yeah. a lot. Well, I think that's just what I've been hearing about the most lately. It's been like the biggest surprise to me is that... Mm. Everybody I know from like aunties to gogles growing <laughs> weed in their backyard and they're all trying to yeah. make oil and medicine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a certain mm. group of people that need to really wake up and read more and just relax their anal sphincters. Yeah, but I can see it one day you're going to walk there, you're going to be there, so Builders Warehouse. And next thing you know, there's going to be a Keith Kirsten range of weed accessory. Can you see it? Yes. Just the right things for the mites. Just the right <laughs> things for the flowering. Perfect no more making balanced do. soil. Yeah, so they're asking for a post-game analysis of mm. what happened in that talk. We couldn't okay. really hear what was. We could hear a bit, but I'm going to be real with you. So we've heard the chat a lot. Yeah. Um. I think to get more of a feel, check out Fields of Green, the website. It's got all that there. But it was a good talk. I feel like it was a good talk. I think you know to be representing. You yes. know, this is like the World mm. Cup of shit. Mm. They are in the so, yeah, that's it. Where the cannabis liberation they heard, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big ups to Jules and Rachel. Working hard and mm. putting themselves out there and putting us on the map. Yeah, and I think we we also a little bit like we're the choir. We know mm. the tune. Mm. So what do you guys think? Do you think they represented? Hey, I do. They did. Was, yeah, they did. They all saying, "Well done, well done, much I love." Do. I know Preach. they put a lot of they effort into that talk. They put a lot of effort into it. I yeah, think it's the it's yeah. culmination of years of build-up, you know, so yeah, their content is always... The more they get out there, the more countries they get heard in, the more that mm. their word is going to be stronger and bolder. They're speaking their truth That's it. Exactly, yeah. sharing their yeah. own story. And yeah. They don't have to think about the lies really, if yeah. they were telling any, but there's none. So. Exactly. But let's get on to our strange story of the week. Yes. I'm going to read the whole article because it's not that long. So this was in the Times in Swaziland. The headline is, 
new breed of feminized dacha taking over Eswatini, which is in Swaziland. During Pig's Peak, Emaswati no longer have to go to the mountains to cultivate dacha, as there is a new kind of the illicit herb, which can now be grown inside the comfort of their own homes. The latest breed of dacha is known as skunk, and is said to be easier to grow, even for people living in urban areas. Dacha is currently illegal in the country, though there are efforts being made to legalize it for medicinal purposes. The dacha, whose seeds are smuggled from Holland, can be grown indoors, in or in areas such as greenhouses. The smuggled skunk seeds are feminized, meaning that they produce only female plants. No seeds are produced since the plants are female, and this ensures that the maximum yield of dacha is produced. The dacha is grown to a height of about 200 centimeters, and to meter... This is weird. And to meter when mature. To a, Unlike, to, when mature. No, to a meter. No, they've missed a bit. There's a okay. word or two missing. The grammar's not great. Okay. But I think that's what they're saying. But isn't isn't 200 centimeters two meters? Yes. yes. So, oh. and they say, and then they go on to say, unlike local stuff, which is, also grows up to two meters. It's <coughs> twice the length of this table. No, but they've said it's the same height. But they tried to say, so I don't know. I don't same, know. But, but land strains are going to... Same, same, but different. Yeah. But so what, much bigger than two meters. But what's, what strikes me about the story, it's like some motherfucker in Swaziland just fired up his Windows 95 for the first time and went da 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 and landed on some article from the UK Telegraph from like 20 years ago. Because mm-hmm. this is that UK syndrome. It's not weed... It's the word is so catchy and it's so overused that you get a lot of people that just call any weed is called skunk. It's just such a catchy word. It's overused Dude, and overrated. Dude, check skunk, bro. Yeah. Skunk, is, skunk is the term for the like chronic weed. Yeah, you know, chronic. that strong weed. But who's still calling their weed skunk? Because that's, that's so also like 20 old, years yeah. ago. So 20 years who sells skunk anymore? Yeah. I haven't smoked skunk in like 6 years. My mate comes back from England he always talks about skunk. Is it? Eh? That's it. They still sell skunk. But they're not also like teenagers, let's be honest. You're just trying to like <coughs> exaggerate everything. Well, I recently smoked some skunk number one and it was actually really superb. And it how long ago since before mm. that though? Because yeah, I mean, it, it never comes time. up on my radar skunk. No, yeah, no. Well, cheese is skunk. You oaks yeah. at home? Te- here, it's cheese. You know what I'm saying? Cheese is skunk. Like, yeah. That's exactly what it is. The phenotype of skunk. Yeah. That's where it came from. Okay. But what are we talking okay. about here? Skunk number one? Super skunk? Because there's also well, different skunks. Skunk number one or... Think, yeah, it was really old school skunk number one. But one of the phenos that they found, it was just <clears> one <throat> of those particular... Particular phenotype that smelled that bad, and they just called it cheese, and they got it. This stuff was really smelly. Yeah, I've never seen weed so smelly. So mm. it deserved. Can we name. just hear that it again? Was, I have never real. seen weed <laughs> so smelly. I never smelled the point. weed. You can so see the smell. Smell a vision. It was the loudest <laughs> weed I've ever smelled. That's it. Loud. loud. It was loud. loud. Shaw with the mic drop. Loud, <laughs> eh? Yes, that's current, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it's all about yeah. the loud now, but it also it's like oh, you know I love I really love the history though of like skunk and the the urban legends that mm. go with weed because there's such a strong culture of that. And now we've now we've demystified everything. There's no more thrill anymore. You just Google the thing and you know the answer. Mm. But do you guys have any favorite marijuana myths? Catnip. <clears throat> marijuana. Yeah, we're gonna dab this cat. No, it's posing for the camera and everything. Um, Come, dude. 
<laughs> Stuff you, I want to be on camera. Feral cat, though. <laughs> but like I said, do you yeah. have any fa- favorite marijuana myths? Like what's yours? Yeah, yeah, give us an example. <laughs> I guess that my favorite one growing up was that it was going to give you a lump dick. And like if you smoke the seeds you're impotent yes 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 yes. it's the opposite that was all like um, you know (laughs) scare tactics yeah scare tactics that they gave you at school they'd they'd come in with one of those like guidance counsellors and preach to your the kids in the the assembly it's all a lot of crap it's a really good aphrodisiac smoke the pips and it'll make you blind or whatever but there's also the greater it wasn't so much as weed related as a lighty they'd say don't take sweeties or stickers from strangers because yeah. it'd be those tattoos and they'd say there'd be LSD in it. And I was like, what motherfucker's yeah. wasting his good acid on kids? And where is this? I'll go knock on his door. Yeah. I'll if say, stranger, <laughs> if a stranger offers you drugs, say thank you, man. Drugs are expensive. <laughs> 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 yeah, the gateway theory. Not scary, yeah. though. But you guys haven't hung on to any of those myths that they... Sure. No. no. Are we so over it already? Yeah. Completely, but uh, the more mm. informed you are, the, you know... Yeah, you find out it's all a little rubbish. And yeah, you very, you very quickly, yeah. Exactly. yeah, you very quickly learn about propaganda <clears throat> and yeah. how it's just a bit of brainwashing. All you have to do is smoke some weed for yourself and find out that mm. it's not really addictive. Like all these things people say about it is not true. You're not going to go mad. It's different for mm. every You're not going to jump out of buildings. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you know... Reefer Madness is not not it real, actually. It's yeah. with pure, <laughs> pure propaganda. It only makes you paranoid if you don't smoke it. Enough. Although, do you actually remember the classic from last year? Because this is about... It's almost the anniversary of that comment. That Oak and that chick with... Weed makes you rape your mom. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the most That's striking. One. That was crazy. There's no nostalgia about that. That was outside that. the court. That was a new one. That was outside the, 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 the court. court. Wow. Yeah. wow. Uh, that is <laughs> radical, hey? Yeah. That's creative writing. Wow. <laughs> but do you think wow. maybe it's happened? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Never. Never. Chocolate. Yeah. People so, like to blame oh. the drugs, you know? Yeah, I like Break to blame yeah. everything. So, Ash, help me out here. What's, mm. what's the word Always. for a person who's into okay. bees? Is it apiarist or is that something else? What's a bee mm. person? Correct. What? An apiarist. That's right. Yeah. Apiarist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, mm-hmm. Ash knows a thing or two about all things gardening and like legit growing but he also knows bees which is a recent thing you for me bees buzz yeah yeah no. <laughs> it's like a it's like a hot, part-time hobby really for me like okay. but i've been playing around with bees and keeping bees for about six seven years now done a bee course and yeah another thing or two about bees I'm a, well that's great because mm-hmm. there's this thing that's been going around mm. for about a year now so it's not really Absolutely. fresh, but it came up locally again. And it's this video about this guy who makes honey, mm-hmm. but the bees make the honey from cannabis plants. So what, the bees pollinate the cannabis or what? Pretty much, dude. Okay. Check out the video, see what you think. I'll give you guys no, a bit of a history. Don't get to stone to pollinate the So this oak says he's got 20 years experience with bees. Mm-hmm. And they show shots of bees and all the dank, bad, dank, bad bees, bees, bees. Mm-hmm. And he says that he believes bees process everything out. So it's a really, honey's pure, blah, blah, blah. It, I don't think he makes any claims of THC. But where things started mm. kicking off online was that gang oaks were saying, but there is THC in it. And in my the mind... The question is, would there be THCA? THCA? No, I don't even think, could it even, I don't think you could even get, I don't think THC becomes part of the equation because 
There's no female <clears throat> in honey. It's only it's only male. Mm. Help me out, here, Oaks, because I'm I'm dominating. from pollen. Can there can there be honey that's got THC of any okay. grade? Okay, look, cannabis okay. pollen will make you stoned. That we know. Well, right? let's look at it okay. properly. Let's look at this. Okay, check it out. From what I see, sure, the bees are going to go for the pollen and the nectar, which of course the cannabis plant is going to produce. Um, there's no pollen being produced on the female, but there's still um, obviously nectar. There's still stuff there now the trichromes no are sticky there's trichromes mm. trichromes well, are not nectar it's why would the bees be going for the for the weed plants i think he's, what they're I mean, doing is they're they, trying to pollinate the female yes. plants is what they do mm. so i think he there must be trained, males he said he's trained the bees to go to the plants and how on earth would you do that but maybe using pheromones you could get the plant the bees to go and rub all over those plants because as soon as they rub in there that thc is super sticky mm. now you know that's going to get all over the bees and that's going to get in the hive and i reckon there will be some thc in the honey definitely recently if, if okay if they're making contact okay i'll tell you i'll tell you what just by handling weed you, your hands get full of resin now if those bees are walking all over that dank weed there's going to be Collecting resin all over. Matter. Now, the bees are actually... Bees are quite fascinating, in fact. that When they fly, the vibration of their wings actually creates a static charge. Which, when they land on a flower, the pollen is attracted to them by a static electricity. So now, they've got this static charge. When they land on that bud, they're just going to be getting super sticky. Then they rub that all off and they're going to be putting be like that, that in their honey. Bam. There's definitely going to be THC in there. I don't know. Oh, but I, I don't think I don't think they trained it. I don't the think it. a big thing. I think by offering the the, 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 the cannabis plants mm. around a lot of them around the bees that they happen to take. I don't think you train. Can you train bees? No, that's why I said using pheromones. Mm. Yes, by pheromones you make them go somewhere or yes. go them go onto something. So if you dip some pheromones on those plants, they the would bees go are going to go nuts all over those plants like and they gonna, do there. Exactly. That, and they don't gonna, see any plants like that normally. No. Yeah. I've never that. I never really see bees. No flowers bees. ever covered one bee, two flower, and then like a gun to goes. Hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The right flowers you will have. Like bees haven't yeah. discovered it. Yeah. Because... Pride of Madeira is a perfect example. It's a great bee plant. If you want bee plants, okay, it's not a. Um, it's one of those in, invasive species blacklisted does this, plants. Does this in it's theory, the best bee plant you can get. The mm. mad scientist in me mm. hears what you're saying. So mm -hmm. you're saying. Because they, they're touching female plants, they're basically picking up hash. Mm -hmm. And it's going to become part of the honey as part of that process. Just by default, yeah. They're not actually collecting it on purpose. So in theory, if we could take it one step further, if we could train the bees that have now picked up the hash mm -hmm. to offload the hash somewhere else, mm -hmm. we would have full mouth. <laughs> and we would call it... Terpenes. 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 So Martin, yes, is... Uh, oh, no. okay. I'm not sold. Yeah, I no, also I had a know. few hives <laughs> and that. It would at least uh, be bringing along some of the terpene profile, wouldn't it? Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, of course it would. Some, it would bring the flavor. Just yeah. Definitely. He says, yeah, sadly, I mean. cannabis plants do not produce enough food for bees, so mm -hmm. they will naturally avoid them. So you would need to force the bees and use a pollen catcher, like we were saying. Yeah. So it's bee slavery. But your bees will starve if that's all they have. So oh. yes, you'll have to You That would be like a party trick. You know, you'd send your bees there. They'd go do that. But the honey rest of the is time, bee, they're honey is bee puke. They don't eat the oil. Exactly. No, but that's what I said. They're not going to eat it. Exactly. They're just going to hold it. That's what I said. It's going to stick on their body when they get back to the hive they push that all exactly and it's gonna just it's gonna mix default, there we go fall in. you say It'll, bee puke 
They're he not said, gonna... He said that. Yeah. Yes, that is what. That's what the bees but do. But they can use the honey with yeah, oh, cannabis people extracts. Yeah, people are making the not vegan. No, no, they so, wouldn't. They'd avoid the weed. I think we must put this to a vote because mm. we're coming into land. Mm. So let's vote on it. Really? Cannabis, fact or fiction? Dan, fact or fiction? You read there's THC in the cannabis honey. It's fiction. Ash. THC in the honey, yeah what, or no? THC in the honey? Yeah, as a result of this situation. What I saw uh, in the... Come on. I think the, <laughs> I think the story is far-fetched, but I think you could possibly get THC into the honey if you if you did that. You went through the effort. You probably could do it. Yeah, but I think it's far-fetched. It's a far-fetched story. Joe? Don't see so why. A lot of manipulation had to go this. Sure, I don't sure, think it's worth it. I'm not sure about the THC, but maybe <coughs> some of the turkey some of the flavors of these, but not these. Mm. So you think that maybe smell? These like. are seriously mm. particular about what they bring into their heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. I agree. I don't know much about <coughs> From what I know, bees collect pollen on flowers, right? Mm. And a friend recently gave me a teaspoonful of cannabis pollen, which I dabbed. It wasn't easy to dab with, but I dabbed, dabbed. With it, and it made me stoned. Let's do that. Let's do five minutes on it this. it made me stoned. Cannabis pollen, pollen. It's made me stone from so, male plants. From yes, so no, fro- I don't know if there was a male. Of, I don't know. Oh. Can we let's, a, do, let's do five never. minutes on this? That's a myth. That, there's a cannabis myth Price right there. It's not a. It's not yes. a. It's not a myth. It's not pollen. When we say pollen, it's dry sift. I've got a photo of it. Yes, yeah. yes, that, but that's not pollen. I'll show you after. It's dry sift, so it's it's, it's, it's hash. hash. It's high high no, end it's hash. hash. But it's, it's like a hash very it, fluffy dry it's powder. Pollen, yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's called, we it's, call it pollen. It's, it's not sticky. It's more static. Mm. It's like baby powder in a way. Is it like so you don't think that's pollen? Powder that builds up, dude. So it's what happens in South Africa. We do have a couple of misnomers when it comes to terminology. Mm. So I've also had it where people say pollen. Typically, pollen only comes off the male well, plants, which is no pollen, value. So. No, he said it right because in South Africa, we use pollen to refer to high-grade hash, mm. to, okay. to, to screen hash. So it's still hash. It's still of the female plant, but we call it pollen because it looks like pollen. Mm. But it ain't actually pollen. No, but I think no, we're the only okay. place that does that. That's very unique that you bring that yeah, up. You said it would give me a headache. It no. gave me the opposite. It, yeah, no. Nice. We'll, we'll call our hash yeah. Durban pollen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, thank you very much. Um, we tried a different thing. I, got, I, I hope you guys like the talk. But really, please go check out Fields of Green. Like, subscribe, comment, and promise. We're going to make an effort with a competition. Christmas in July. 7-10. Mm. Ne? Ne? Yes. Ne? Mm. Stay lit. Aye.